This podcast has been uh, kind of squelched past like almost a week now. Stayed at 143k, which is you know impossible. So I've been shut down basically. And uh, but I'm still gonna keep on learning. That's what I'm doing this podcast for as part of my learning process and also documenting Trump going to fucking jail. Trump and GOP nightmare must be stopped. And when you have the facts on your side, it's it's imperative that the media actually does their job. Because when they don't do their job, it creates a dumb society. And that's a frustrating place to be in because we care about this country. The Midas Mighty cares about this country. And and I want this country to succeed. But when the media does the laziest, absolute, lowest hanging fruit work that they can do, well, what are you left with? You're left with a horse and pony show. You're left with a horse race of, oh, this side says this and this side says that. No, there's only one truth at the end of the day. Ben, I saw you It was you weren't ascertained. Glenn Kirshner. New York so prosecutor, New York. New York prosecutor who investigated Trump's crime schools, Jim Jordan on subpoenas and the rule of law. Prosecutor who investigated the crimes of Donald Trump just called out Jim Jordan and his congressional committee to obstruct justice. Because justice matters. Because, because justice, justice matters. Matters. Justice, it matters, matters, it matters a lot. Justice matters a lot. Hey all, Glenn Kirshner here. Yo, Glenn. So friends, former prosecutor Mark Pomerantz, who investigated the New York State crimes of Donald Trump when Pomerantz was a prosecutor with the Manhattan District Attorney's Office. Well, Pomerantz was served a congressional subpoena for testimony. And you know who served him? None other than Republican Representative Jim Jordan, who himself criminally defied an identical congressional subpoena. But unlike Jordan, Pomerantz complied with the subpoena. He showed up, he appeared, and then he took apart piece by piece Jim Jordan and his dirty little Congressional Committee to Obstruct Justice to Protect Donald Trump. Here is the new reporting from NBC News. Headline, former Manhattan prosecutor frustrates House Republicans at deposition on Trump case. And that article begins, a former prosecutor who once oversaw the Manhattan District Attorney's Office investigation into former President Donald Trump frustrated House Republicans on Friday by repeatedly saying during a deposition that he would not answer their questions about the DA's probe. Mark Pomerantz spent roughly six hours with members of the GOP-led House Judiciary Committee, which really should be renamed, you know, the House Committee to Obstruct Justice to Protect Donald Trump, which is investigating Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg's prosecution of Trump. In his opening statement, Pomerantz blasted the inquiry as political 
theater and condemned the panel's use of a subpoena to compel his participation. So friends, rather than continuing on with the reporting, let's go directly to Mark Pomerantz's opening statement that he gave to Jim Jordan's committee on Friday. And fair warning, I will probably be making some of my own editorial comments and observations while I read this letter. Here is how Mr. Pomerantz's opening statement to the House Judiciary Committee starts. I am here because I respect the rule of law. I spent my working life in service to the rule of law, and the rule of law requires a witness to appear for testimony in response to a subpoena, so I am present as required. Friends, make no mistake about it. That was a direct slam of Jim Jordan. That was a direct rebuke of Jim Jordan. That was calling Jim Jordan out for criminally defying a congressional subpoena. The opening statement continues. What I do not respect is the use of the committee's subpoena power to compel me to participate in an act of political theater. This deposition is for show. I do not believe for a moment that I'm here to assist a genuine effort to enact legislation or conduct legislative oversight. We are gathered here because Donald Trump's supporters would like to use these proceedings to attempt to obstruct and undermine the criminal case pending against him and to harass, intimidate, and discredit anyone who investigates or charges him. Any questions, Jim? The opening statement continues. Fortunately, I do not have to cooperate with the cynical histrionics that this deposition represents. Although the rule of law compels me to be here, it does not require that I play a substantive role in your theatrical production. Under the law, I can decline to answer your questions for several reasons. In other words, Jim, you're about to be schooled. You might want to sit back, get comfortable, take off your jack. Wait, never mind. Pomerant's opening statement continues. First, I have been instructed by the Manhattan District Attorney's Office that I should maintain that office's claims of privilege and confidentiality in order to protect the integrity of the pending prosecution and continuing investigation of Donald Trump. I intend to honor the district attorney's request, and I will not answer questions to which the district attorney objects. Although I have written and spoken publicly about the Trump investigation, I did so before any criminal charges were brought against Mr. Trump. Now that a grand jury has indicted him, the circumstances have changed. With formal charges now pending, the rule of law is best served if the merits of the case against Mr. Trump are litigated before the court that is hearing that case. This is neither the time nor the place for me to answer questions about the investigation or the pending indictment over the objection of the prosecutors. The charges against Mr. Trump should be heard and decided by a judge and a jury before politicians second-guess their merits or the decisions to bring them. That's how our system works. 
those who claim that they respect the rule of law should wait for the courts to do their work. Second, the rule of law also affords me a personal privilege not to answer your questions. Under the Fifth Amendment to the Constitution, no person may be compelled to be a witness against himself or herself in a possible criminal case. Shortly before the publication of my book, the District Attorney's Office warned me that I could face criminal liability if, among other things, I disclosed grand jury material or violated a provision of the New York City Charter dealing with the misuse of confidential information. When we were before the United States District Court on April 19th, a lawyer from the Manhattan District Attorney's Office said that my book, quote, exposed me to criminal liability. While I am certain I broke no laws, I am not required to answer questions if my answers might be used against me in a criminal prosecution. The Fifth Amendment is a protection for all citizens, including those who have done nothing wrong. Therefore, and on the advice of counsel, I will invoke my rights under the Fifth Amendment and I will not answer any questions that could conceivably be used against me in a criminal case. Finally, the rule of law permits me to refuse to answer questions that are not pertinent to a legitimate legislative function or that seek information that is protected by the First Amendment's guarantee of free speech. Under the Due Process Clause of the Fifth Amendment, I cannot be punished for refusing to answer such questions. There may be other privileges, such as attorney-client privilege or the work product privilege, that are available to me with respect to certain questions. For all these reasons, I will not be answering questions that relate to my work in the DA's office, my book, or public statements I have made in the past. It gives me no joy to invoke my legal rights, but I am glad that the law allows me not to cooperate with this performance of political theater. As an American, I'm privileged to have the legal rights that I assert today, and I'm hopeful that I live in a country that will continue to respect them. Boy, Mr. Pomerantz really said a mouthful, didn't he? Let's go through some of the points he made in his opening statement. First of all, he called out Jim Jordan for unlawfully defying a congressional subpoena, blowing off a congressional subpoena. To be clear, that constitutes the crime of contempt of Congress. Yet, the criminal is now issuing subpoenas to others, expecting them to comply. I think that qualifies as irony, at a minimum. And Mark Pomerantz also said, you know, I am declining to testify because the Manhattan District Attorney's Office told me I shouldn't be answering questions. Why? Well, because since the time I last made public statements in my book or otherwise, the landscape has changed. A grand jury has indicted Donald Trump, and he's pending trial. And my testimony could compromise Donald Trump's right to a fair trial. It could even compromise the right of the people of New York to a fair trial. Because you know what? The people have a right to a fair trial, not just the defendant. So that was another basis he gave for declining to testify. And then interestingly, 
He also invoked this Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination. Friends, that one surprised me a bit, but let's talk about it. The reason he gave for that is he said, you know, recently one of the attorneys from the Manhattan District Attorney's Office suggested I might have some criminal exposure for the things I put in my book. Now he said, I disagree with that. I did nothing wrong, but the fact that some prosecutor's office has suggested I may have violated the law and they would be entitled to use my testimony against me if I gave testimony before this committee, I'm going to plead the fifth. Boy, that would make me uncomfortable as a former career prosecutor and frankly as a law-abiding American if I really believed I had done nothing wrong, I had committed no crime. And the standard to plead the fifth, to invoke your Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination is if your truthful testimony would tend to incriminate you, you can decline to testify. You can plead the fifth. But here's the thing. There is a way to challenge somebody's invocation of their Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination. And this is going to take us a minute. We're going to have to go to a, a Team Justice Law School class here. Um, but let's kind of talk through how Jim Jordan could challenge Mark Pomerantz pleading the fifth if Jim Jordan wanted to. We'll put a pin in that. So they could go to court to try to enforce the subpoena, right? They could go to court, they being the House Judiciary Committee, this nefarious committee trying to, you know, block prosecutions against Donald Trump. They could go to court and try to convince a judge that Mark Pomerantz doesn't have a legitimate Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination because he couldn't possibly incriminate himself in any way. That issue can be litigated by a judge, and a judge would rule either yay or nay, that it was a properly invoked Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination, or that it wasn't. And if it wasn't, the judge could order Mark Pomerantz to testify. Here's the thing, friends. Jim Jordan has been yelling and screaming and yammering about how this whole prosecution in New York against Donald Trump is a witch hunt, political retribution. Donald Trump committed no crimes. He shouldn't be prosecuted. So what is Jim Jordan asserting? That the district attorneys who worked on the Trump investigation and who continue to work on the Trump prosecution committed crimes by wrongfully bringing criminal charges against Donald Trump. If that is the narrative Jim Jordan is trying to sell to the American people, at least those gullible enough to fall for it, well then he can't go into court and take the position that Mark Pomerantz can't possibly incriminate himself. Look, Jim, everything you've been saying suggests that you believe, BS though it may be, that Pomerantz and Bragg and everybody else who's prosecuting or investigating Donald Trump in New York are committing crimes because they're just going after an innocent man for political reasons. Jim, you're not a strategic thinker. You've been made to look a fool. Why? Because you are acting foolishly, nefariously, 
trying to do Donald Trump's dirty bidding. You know, I would say you ought to cut it out, but you are what you are. But I suspect this will not go any farther. They will not try to enforce the subpoena and compel Pomerantz testimony because they don't have a leg to stand on, because they're playing a bunch of stupid, dirty reindeer games trying to obstruct the legitimate prosecutions of Donald Trump. And Jim Jordan and company will fail, and they will be made to look just as foolish as they are. And then eventually, friends, eventually, justice will win the day. Because justice matters. Great. Friends, thank you for bearing with me. Swiss Kirshner. Kirshner. Maybe we should tag him. Glenn. Kirshner. Um. worked in the Manhattan District Attorney's Office, schooled Jim Jordan and the House Judiciary Committee. Okie doke. I'm hungry. Three hours ago, Donald Trump's rough week. That sounds great. Joining me now, Neil Katyal, former acting solicitor general of the United States, Sonner's professor posted. of law at Georgetown University, and MSNBC legal analyst. Uh, Rick Wilson, co-founder of the Lincoln Project, Republican media strategist and author of Running Against the Devil, A Plot to Save America from Trump, and Democrats from themselves, and Sarah Kenzior, co-host of the podcast Gaslit Nation, author of They Knew, How a Culture of Conspiracy Keeps America Complacent. Thank you Cara all very much Ken for coming to the Saturday Zior. Show, Neil. Starting with you, Trump's attorney Joe Takapina says they're appealing the verdict uh, in the E. Jean Carroll case. What are his chances of success on appeal? 
slim to none, Donna. So Trump had two things that happened to him this week with respect to Gene Carroll. One is, as you say, he lost this $5 million verdict against him, unanimous conviction by the jury, and now he's saying he's going to appeal, and his argument is he couldn't get a fair trial in New York because the entire state is biased against him. Um, give me a break. Uh, we heard that when we prosecuted, for example, Derek Chauvin in Minneapolis. That went nowhere. Courts routinely reject these kinds of arguments. Trump lived in New York. He acted. All these events occurred in New York City. Um, it's going nowhere and nowhere fast. And then the second front was, as you mentioned, in this town hall, he, Trump opened up yet another lawsuit by Jane Carroll, calling her story fake, a made-up story, and the like. So instead of Trump, who wants four more years, Trump got four more lawsuits, I think. And, and so how likely is it, do you think, that Carroll's attorneys will sue him again? Well, well, legally, it's really strong because actually the first jury verdict is itself kind of preclusive, so it would perhaps even bind a second trial. But she may just decide, look, I've already done my work here. Um, I don't want to have yet another trial. So I think it's really more up to her. Legally, the case would be very right. strong, though. So when asked about the classified documents found at Mar-a-Lago, Trump said, quote, I have the absolute right to do whatever I want with them. And he said, quote, they become automatically declassified. I never had an affair with her. It's all made up. Corn 
<laughs> it also reminds people what, it also reminds people what you're Let's see. Another day, another Clarence Thomas scandal.
said everybody please everybody call president biden send him two oh two four five six one 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 and send him an email whitehouse.gov contact tell him to pick up the phone and demand that the resignations of all six justices who overturned Roe v. Wade Expand the courts. Term limits, motherfuckers. <laughs> Fucking get up his ass. Tell Biden to get up his ass. They lied under fucking oath. They lied. But when only five pickers showed up this morning to harvest his sweet potatoes. Hi there, I'm Christopher Perez, and welcome back to today's edition of One Minute Solutions to the World's Problems. Today I want to fix the problem of the crisis in leadership. Every American should know about the social contract. The social contract, I think, keeps our government authentic. When only the 99% pay taxes and we don't get any services for it, that's a violation of the social contract that we have with the government. So the crisis is in leadership. We have neo-Nazi-like governors running around persecuting immigrants. And it's bad for everyone. It's also criminal. But the solution is to lock them all up, force them to resign, demand their resignations. Like Frederick Douglass said, power can seize nothing without demand. So let's make demands. But one only. But one only five pickers showed up this morning to harvest his sweet potatoes. Hi there, I'm just. Hi there, I'm Christopher Perez, and welcome back to... Hi there, I'm Christopher Perez, and welcome back to today's edition of One Minute Solutions to the World's Problems. Today I want to fix the problem of the crisis in leadership. Every American should know about the social contract. The social contract, I think, keeps our government authentic. When only the 99% pay taxes and we don't get any services for it. That's a violation of the social contract that we have with the government. 
So the crisis is in leader. Criminal Division, uh, Arizona Public Media, Occupy Democrats, Modest Touch, Paul, uh, New York Times, Opinion Video, Let's see if y'all are still there. Agenda COVID. Anybody there? Oh my gosh, she's still there. Shout out to KAMP Student Radio at the University of Aridstone. And KPYT, Passway Hockey, Tribal Radio, Tribal Radio, Tribal Radio. Distracts you from your purpose, steals your joy, or robs you of your peace. Let it go. <laughs> your price just went up. If I go to these young pages and I only see one light. Believe me, I am wavy. I need something deeper. Money does not stimulate me. Whether you got mansions or got diamonds in your AV. Drama, 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 drama. Please don't tell my mama I've been smoking marijuana. Topina Colada's getting loose in the Bahamas. Look at me now, I'm a bitch, her name is Karma. I was moving wild, but now I'm Karma. We was on the front line listening to Kendrick Lama. Still the same now, we just blow that yaya. Chopping onions and onions. Oh my god, that's great. Living Chilis, in the present, still a bunch of looking sweet. Jodeci and cherry wines, sipping like on that Please let go of all your troubles whenever you're here with me. And There's Roy in the corn tortillas. Huh. 
Patience, 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 patience. London born a stay girl to international sensation. Cutting through your settings, do not need an invitation. Basking in this feeling, if I must say it's amazing, I'm amazing. Cause you got me stuck. Yeah, you got me fucked up. Yeah. Put you on a better stand. 
Challenge Lex Nor Beats. Baby, got me crazy. Yeah, but you know all you want, but still don't know why I'm in the 
like a spiritual eyes Tryna never give up Come in the stupid to play in love Now you got me in town, you know where you got me at Put you on the bastard Got you off the line, waste my time I hate that I love you when you left me Cause you got me stuck And you got me fucked up Yeah Trump's rough week. Was Let's this a back gift here. to special counsel Jack Smith's investigation? Well, I mean, Trump is sounding like a three-year-old. It's mine, it's mine, it's mine. Nobody who's handled national security documents thinks that's true at all. So does this statement help the prosecution? I guess marginally. He's saying he took the documents, he admitted it. He can't rule out that he doesn't still have classified documents to this day. He can't rule so out that he didn't show them to other people. All that happened in the town hall. So I think it marginally helps, but so the truth is the properties. evidence against Trump stolen documents, Jonathan, is so strong. I mean, if evidence 
confidence were rain, this guy would be a walking monsoon. So I don't think Jack Smith needs it, but he's got it. Sarah, what was on display at that CNN town hall was not only an authoritarian growling for a comeback, but an audience that was eating it up with laughter and applause. Was that the most vivid display yet of the erosion of our democracy? No, I think the most vivid. display is the fact that we're having this conversation eight years later, uh, the exact same conversation we had in 2015, when America fully knew that he had this record as a career criminal uh, with ties to hostile foreign regimes. Um, according to Punk and other news sources, that audience was told they were not allowed to boo Trump, that they had to applaud him, which is the kind of, uh, you know, scene that you would see um, in an authoritarian regime. But what we're really suffering from here is a lack of consequences. This was not really a bad week for Trump. It's a bad week for America because of Trump. It's a bad week because he fomented a coup, committed obstruction of justice, abused the power, pardoned power, allegedly committed uh, multiple acts of rape and and, you know, if I list the rest, I'll be here all day. And there has not been meaningful consequences. The first time Trump was investigated by the Department of Justice was in 1973. So we're now on the half centennial. He's been under investigation since before I was born. And that's true uh, for most Americans. And we've never seen real meaningful consequences that constrain him and his backers from hurting the American people. It's the American people who matter. It's our rights. It's our suffering. And it's our future. You know, Sarah, can you talk about the significance of Trump's both sidesing Russia's war on Ukraine? He couldn't even say Ukraine should emerge victorious. Yeah, I mean, this is a long-standing trend. You can find old videos of Trump, you know, praising Putin, praising the Kremlin, going back to 2014. The reason for this is because a lot of Trump's real estate properties were bought up by Russian mafiosos, people tied to oligarchs, to the Kremlin. He's had those long-standing ties for several decades when the Russian mafia replaced the Italian mafia under uh, Rudy Giuliani. So he has a personal um, investment here. He also has a personal interest in not being prosecuted for any of this, and it greatly to do that, as he learned between 2016 and 2020, is to become the president of the United States and manipulate the law and rewrite it in his favor and use people like Bill Barr, um, you know, to uh, abuse uh, the power of the attorney general's position um, in that way. Uh, and it's sad to see he's still at it. And yes, there's also a danger uh, for the people of Ukraine, a profound danger, um, if Trump manages to get back into office. You know, Rick Wilson, ever since the town hall, Key Republicans have emerged to either distance themselves from him or outright declare it's time mm -hmm. for the party to move on from him. Senator Todd Young now indicating he won't support Trump's 2024 bid. That's great and all, but is it too late? Is the Republican Party doomed to have Trump as its, as its nominee and everything that comes with it? You know, Jonathan, one of the most fundamental rules in politics is you can't beat something with nothing. And as much as there's been a sort of establishment uh, Republican Party and, and Wall Street donor class, um, you know, uh, fangirling of Ron DeSantis, uh, his campaign is already stumbling when it comes out of the gate. Um, he's already managed to alienate a lot of major donors. And Trump's numbers have only increased the more transgressive and badly he behaves. His numbers increased after the FBI raid. They increased after the Bragg indictment. They increased with Republican likely voters after 
the Carroll decision this week in two polls that I saw. And so I think we are in a situation where the negative incentives inside the Republican Party are going to make it more and more likely that the base is going to rally around this guy one more time. And, and he's leading Ron DeSantis in some polls by 50 points. This is not an easy, uh, an easy climb, especially as you know Trump continues to sort of darken the sun with the media as he did in the past, where people do not learn the lessons of the past, that if you give him an unfettered, untrammeled you know, environment, he will go out and no one is good enough to stop the lying and, and no one's good enough to fact check him in real time. Um, you know, and I think I think I think the the week for Trump with the Carroll with the Eugene Carroll judgment um, was one that really illustrated not only the depravity of Donald Trump's character but the depravity of the people who support and follow him and excuse this kind of behavior. Fuck you, Trump supporters. But she may just decide, look, I've already done my work here. Um, I don't want to have yet another trial. So I think it's really more up to her. Legally, the case would be very strong, though. So when asked about the classified documents found at Mar-a-Lago, Trump said, quote, I have the absolute right to do whatever I want with them. And he said, quote, they become automatically declassified when I took them. Was this a gift to special counsel Jack Smith's investigation? Well, I mean, Trump is sounding like a three-year-old. It's mine. Dump may be acting like a three-year-old, but treat him like an adult and lock him up. Charges, not chat G's. Charges. Called. On calls, bitches. It's mine, it's mine. And MSNBC legal analyst, uh, Rick Wilson, co-founder of the Lincoln Project, Republican media strategist and author of Running Against the Devil, A Plot to Save America from Trump and Democrats from themselves, and Sarah Kenzior, co-host of the podcast Gaslit Nation, author of They Knew How a Culture of Conspiracy 
keeps America complacent. Thank you all very much for coming to the Saturday show. Neil, starting with you, Trump's attorney Joe Tacopina says they're appealing the verdict uh, in the E. Jean Carroll case. What are his chances of success on appeal? Uh, slim to none, Donna. So Trump has two things that happened to him this week with respect to Gene Carroll. One is, as you say, he lost this $5 million verdict against him, unanimous conviction by the jury. And now he's saying he's going to appeal. And his argument is he couldn't get a fair trial in New York because the entire state is biased against him. Um, give me a break. Uh, we heard that when we prosecuted, for example, Derek Chauvin in Minneapolis. That went nowhere. Courts routinely reject these but kinds of arguments. Supporters. Trump lived in New York. He acted. All these events occurred in New York City. Um, it's going nowhere and nowhere fast. And then the second front was, as you mentioned, in this town hall. He, Trump opened up yet another lawsuit by Jean Carroll, calling her story fake, a made-up story, and the like. So instead of Trump, who wants four more years, Trump got four more lawsuits, I think. <laughs> so how likely is it think that Carroll's attorneys will sue him again? Well, legally, it's really strong because actually the first jury verdict is itself kind of preclusive. So it would perhaps even bind a second trial. But she may just decide, look, I've already done my work here. Um, I don't want to have yet another trial. So I think it's really more up to her. Legally, the case would be very right. strong, though. So when asked about the classified documents found at Mar-a-Lago, Trump said, quote, I have the absolute right to do whatever I want with them. And he said, quote, they become automatically declassified when I took them. Was this a gift yeah. to special counsel Jack Smith's investigation? Well, I mean, Trump is sounding like a three-year-old. It's mine, it's mine, it's mine. Nobody who's handled national security documents thinks guy. that's true Neil at all. So does this statement help the prosecution? I guess marginally. He's saying he took the documents, he admitted it. He can't rule out that he doesn't still have classified documents to this day. He can't rule out that he didn't show them to other people. All that happened in the town hall. So I think it marginally helps. But the truth is the evidence against Trump on the stolen documents, Jonathan, is so strong. I mean, if evidence were rain, this guy would be a walking monsoon. So I don't think Jack Smith needs it, but he's got it. Sarah, what was on display at that CNN town hall was not only an authoritarian growling for a comeback, but an audience that was eating it up with laughter and applause. Was that the most vivid display yet of the erosion of our democracy? No, I think the most vivid display is the fact that we're having this conversation eight years later, uh, the exact same conversation we had in 2015 and 2016 when he ran, uh, when America fully knew that he had this record as a career criminal uh, with ties to hostile foreign regimes. Um, according to Puck and other news sources, that audience was told they were not allowed to boo Trump, that they had to applaud him, which is the kind of uh, you know scene that you would see um, in an authoritarian regime. But what we're really suffering from here is lack of consequences. This was not really a bad week for Trump. It's a bad week for America because of Trump. It's a bad no, week because he down. fomented a coup, committed obstruction of justice, abused the power, pardon power, allegedly committed uh, multiple acts of rape, and, you know, if I list the rest, I'll be here all day. And there has not been meaningful consequences. The first time Trump was investigated by the Department of 